I want to talk about wisdom because we've been talking a lot about wisdom. Matter of fact, this whole theme for this year is taking new ground. And I want to make sure that we are deliberately living out intentionally that theme that strategically we're thinking, how can we take new ground in our marriage? For instance, the last four weeks, Sharon and I, along with a couple of others, have been hosting a community group helping on parenting and family and and marriage. And actually, um, I ended up having to get some dental surgery done, so I missed one of the weeks. That was exciting, praise the Lord. My, My dentist said to me, my periodontist said, it is the hardest by far dental surgery he's ever performed in his life. He goes, it was five times harder than any patient he's ever worked on. And I went, that is not really encouraging me. He says, you have the strongest jawbone I've ever come across in my life. But then he told me I wasn't allowed to work out for two weeks because I still have stitches on my mouth. I get them out this week. And he says, you can't work out for two weeks. Well, that you may as well torture me. Uh, I'm so used to going to the gym. So I finally made it back yesterday to the gym. And oh my gosh, two weeks of no working out. I feel like I've lost all my strength. I couldn't do any of those. Matter of fact, one of the trainers in the gym came up to me and goes, hey, what are you doing, little baby? Put some more weight on there. (laughs) I wanted to hit him. I went, what do you mean? I haven't worked out for two weeks. I'm just trying to wake up my muscles again. So, but we're taking new ground. I want to make sure I'm taking new ground in my fitness. I want to make sure I'm taking new ground in my marriage. We're talking this Wednesday night. Sharon and I are going to finish off the series, and we're going to be talking as well. I think we've got Dr. Denny Holland and Jamie Jamie doing a session as well. So if you're part of that community group, we're going to be talking about, well, they they will be talking about blended families, and we're going to be talking about marriage. And uh, so we encourage you to be here this Wednesday night if you're able to make it for the final week of our community group taking new ground, taking new ground with your finances, taking new ground in, in your family, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. James 1, verse 5. Here's the thought. If any of you lacks wisdom, I love how James is putting this hypothetical, if any of you lacks wisdom. Like, anybody here willing to say you lack wisdom? That you could, Anybody here willing to say you could do with some more wisdom? Okay, so if you are willing to say you could do you could have more wisdom in your life. That means you'd be aware that you don't have all there is to have, which means there's still lack there. Would you agree? Uh, matter of fact, I find sometimes I don't lack wisdom until I'm dealing with a situation when I'm honestly perplexed and I don't know what to do. It's then and only then I go, well, right now I'm lacking wisdom in this area of my life. Amen. And so what does the Bible say? If any of you, I love the hypothetical, if any of you lack wisdom, listen to what James said. This is Jesus' half-brother. You should ask God, not Oprah. Amen. Not your horoscope. Not a clairvoyant. Not your neighbor. Not your mother. Oh, that got quiet. Not your father. Come on, somebody. All right, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, so here's the key, you've got to realize you lack it, and then you've got to ask for it. I always like to put it this way, you've got to get your ask on. <laughs> Just turn to the person next to you and say, get your ask on. 
come on, it's in the Bible. You got to ask God. And so when, it says, but when you ask, listen to this, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea. I know all about this week, that, about that this week. We went out in some rough weather. And, and, and it says, blown and tossed by the wind. That person, what person? The person that maybe asks, but they doubt. Are you hearing me? He goes, you must, when you ask, listen, believe that you will receive it and don't doubt. When I read that verse, I was a brand new Christian and I literally sat down. I said, okay, God, according to that verse, all I got to do is realize I lack it and understand that you are the source. I ask you for wisdom and when I ask you for it, I got to believe that I've received it without doubting. So right here, right now, God, I'm asking for wisdom. Thank you, Lord, that you are generous and you will give it and I don't doubt it. And Lord, you're not looking at me, seeing all my faults and all the reasons why me, why I in the natural don't deserve to receive this. But when you look at me, you're not seeing all my faults. So thank you, Lord. I now have wisdom. I don't doubt it. Sometimes when I was a earlier, younger Christian, I was very good at doubting. And I learned if I'm good at doubting, then I'm going to make doubt work for me. So I've learned to doubt my doubts. The devil comes along and says, Steve, you can't get wisdom. You don't deserve it. Look how, look what you did last night. Look what you thought about that last night. I go, devil, I doubt that. Come on. I'm not actually going to let the enemy deny me of something God wants me to have. When the simplicity of it is, all I have to do is ask for it, and he'll give it. And he's not looking at my faults. He's not looking at what I did or didn't do. He's a generous God. And look what the Bible says. That person, what person? The person that asks but doubts should not expect to receive, watch this, anything. Not just wisdom, anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all their ways. Here's the thought. If you are double-minded about anything in life, it destabilizes your whole life. Not just in the area that you're needing wisdom on, not just in the area that you're asking God for wisdom on this matter, but when you are double-minded, it says you are unstable, watch, in all your ways. Will I go to church? Won't I go to church? Will I tithe? Won't I tithe? Should I marry this person? Should I ask this person out? Should I change my career? If you are double-minded, it's not that we don't weigh things up, but when you ask God for wisdom, you believe that he'll give it to you. And you understand God is not looking at you, looking at all your flaws as to the reasons why you don't deserve it. He's generous. And you just got to believe that you receive it. Come on, somebody. So if anyone lacks wisdom, ask God. The key to this is don't be a know-it-all. 
Amen? You have two ears and one mouth. That means you should do twice as much listening as you do talking. Come on, somebody. (laughs) We often don't know what we lack. I'll give you an example. Let's just say you're deceived. Let's just for a moment go there. Let's just say you're deceived on some area of life. The problem with being deceived is how do you know you're deceived? Because you're deceived. Make sense? Like I've sat down in my office and had people sit in my office and tell me something that they are doing that is completely contrary to the wisdom of the word of God. And they'll tell me, (coughs) it's okay, I've prayed about it and God told me he's okay with it. I go, you're deceived. Because if in his word, he's not okay with it, then it doesn't matter what you felt like God told you in prayer. His word supersedes what you think God said to you. Amen, it's just wisdom. You cannot put words in God's mouth. It's a big mistake to do that. Just read the Bible as to what will happen to people who add or take away from his word. And so, but they're deceived. That's the problem because they don't know they're deceived because they're deceived. So how do you know when you're deceived? Well, I think maybe one of the best ways to know if you're deceived is when the people who love you the most, who are godly influence in your life, are trying to tell you that you are in error and you won't listen to them. That's a fairly good sign. You're deceived. Remember one time this one pastor told me that he felt like God told him to leave his wife and be married to somebody else and he's gonna go off this team that I was a part of back in Australia. And I looked at him and he said, and he said, you don't understand, God told me if I don't do this, he'll punish me. And I went, buddy, that's deception. God doesn't, that's not the nature of God. And this guy in that dark deception was taken out by the enemy and sidelined and to this day has never lived to what I think was the fullness of what God had for him, and it was all just off on a tangent of deception. Amen? So the Bible says we should ask God. Don't ask the world. Certainly don't. I heard today, this morning, I probably shouldn't have had this on. I know, I just turned on the TV this morning. Sharon already left the house, gone to church, and I just turned on the television, and I heard that at summer camps now, there are two summer camps happening in the United States here that are called small summer camps, and they do 30 hours of sexual orientation that is LGBT friendly from 13 to 15 year olds where you're all going to learn about embracing sexuality and these are 13 to 15 year olds and I'm going tell you something you want to parents be real careful when you're thinking about summer camps where you send your kids and be really careful and guard it and don't just kind of get them taken care of make sure it's a credible summer camp there's trained qualified people that aren't going to jack up your kids amen Oh, and, and oh, sorry, what, what really upset me was they said, we will promise you that this will have no faith-based teaching whatsoever. It is completely not allowed. And that was my problem. I already had a problem with the other stuff, but when they said there'll be no faith-based, it is actually, and so funnily enough, praise the Lord, they didn't get enough registrations for the camp and the camp now isn't gonna happen. So don't ask the world, can I say this? Don't trust your heart. Some people say, I'm just dreaming. Do you know the Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked? 
above all things and who can trust it? Well, I'm just following my heart. Don't just follow your feelings, amen? Don't just listen to social media. Dear God, don't just listen to social media. Don't just, hear me now, you ask God. And I wanna say this, and this might sound a little controversial, but you'll understand it. Don't just read books. And I'm all for reading books. I am a bookworm. I love to read books. I love them. But did you know, for instance, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them, of making many books, there is no end. And much study wearies the body. That's why the high schoolers aren't in now. I don't want them to hear that. They need to learn how to study. Praise the Lord. I don't want them quoting that Bible verse to you when you ask them to do their homework. But there is actually a point where the wisest man in all the world is writing and he goes, the reading of many books has become to me a weariness to my body and to my soul. I know no people who are so educated, but they lack wisdom. We ask God. Come, come on, somebody say amen. amen. Ask God. How, what do you do? How do you ask God? You read his word. What do you do? You pray. And you understand that he, God, is generous. That he gives to he who asks. Amen? He's not finding fault. Amen? amen. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. He's not looking at you going, no, you're dumb. You don't deserve it. No, he knows we're dumb. <laughs> He's an infinite God. And we're finite. Amen? And, and so God's not going, well, after what you did last night, after how you, that thought you had last night, I'm not doing, no, God doesn't find fault. And when you ask, believe that you receive, don't doubt, amen, doubt your doubts, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, whatever the wind blows, the waves are tossed and blown by the wind. It's like, it's kind of like that person, you can stick your finger up their nostril and drag them anywhere. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? And the Bible says we can't be those people. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So I've used this illustration perhaps one too many times, but I'll use it again. When Sharon and I were dating, Sharon decided I was not spiritual enough, I was not godly enough, and to be honest with you, I probably wasn't. And uh, I, I was newly saved. I, I come out of a very um, carnal, secular, ungodly lifestyle. I love Jesus with all my heart. I encountered God, but I was unstable in a lot of my life, and I was lacking wisdom. Sharon saw I was making decisions that was not taking me toward wisdom. I was getting confused about what church I belonged to, and Sharon said, I will not date somebody who was not committed and planted to the church I'm a part of. I I'm not, you're confused. You got to settle this. You got to work this out. And, uh, and so we, we kinda, she kind of broke up with me. I didn't break up with her. She broke up with me. And I was pretty upset about that. I didn't like that. I didn't like rejection. That's not my deal. And so, but for a couple of months, it literally got me focusing on my relationship with God instead of just calling Sharon all the time. And I found myself praying. And this is that season when this verse came alive to me. God, I need wisdom. I need godly wisdom. And I said, God, give me wisdom. Help me. And I found myself building a foundation of prayer in my life. I didn't get it from my friends. I didn't get it from reading books. I didn't get it from, from a magazine. I didn't get it from listening to sermons. 
even though I think listening to sermons is a good thing. I got it by being in the presence of God and reading his word. And I really felt like I changed. I felt like spiritually I'd matured. I felt like, and this is a period of about four months. And this went on every week for hours and hours. Mark, remember the days we used to get down South Coast and pray and seek God. And every Saturday, once a month, I would just lose a night's sleep all night and just pray in the church chapel and just seek the face of God. God, help me. Give me wisdom. Everybody around me saw the change. Everybody saw it. And I went to Sharon. I said, I still like you. Will you go out with me? She goes, no. Once I go out with a guy and we break up, I never go out with him again. I said, I'm the only guy you've ever gone out with. How do you know that works? How do you know that's a good idea? And I could tell she wanted to, but understandably, her youth leader, who was a very good friend of hers, said to Sharon, I'm not so sure you should be dating Steve. He's a little wild. He's a little reckless. And well, that didn't help my cause. But I could tell Sharon still liked me, and, and, and she kept saying, no, no, no. And she had a very responsible job. She worked in what we'd call the, um, I guess, the, what's the Automobile Association of America, AAA. She was quite, uh, oversaw a lot of staff, and she'd make hundreds of decisions every day. Employees would come to her every day. She was a supervisor. And in her heart, she wanted to say yes, but in her head, she was saying no to me. And she prayed and say, God, I don't know what to do. The youth leader says, don't. My heart says, do. My head says, don't. And God gave her, James 1, verse 8. A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. Sharon, because of this inability to make a decision, and she was double-minded, will I, won't I, was unstable at work. She couldn't make decisions about anything. <laughs> you see, being double-minded in one area affects your whole life. How many believe Sharon made a wise decision in saying yes? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Sharon does not have a hand up. Oh, you did have your hand up. Okay. <laughs> and that's what I'm trying to get to us here today. We got to ask God for wisdom. Yeah. And when we ask it, believe he'll give it to you. Come on, somebody say Amen. amen. And I just want to encourage you, don't doubt, but believe that you will receive it and God will give it to you. Amen? Here's the second thing I want to say. You've got to develop the art of, of listen to this, of listening and accepting discipline. You've got to develop the art of listening and accepting discipline. Proverbs 19, verse 20. You ready for this one? Listen to advice and accept discipline. Watch this. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Listen one more time. Listen to advice and accept discipline. And in the end, you'll be counted among the wise. Amen. So you got to listen to advice. Should I buy that car? Can I afford it? How much debt should I go into? Should I move? Should I stay or should I go? Should I, am I ready to marry? Can I tell you, when I was, I think I was 18, maybe 17. No, wait. I got saved when I was 17. When I was 20, I went to a couple who were married and been married for a couple of years, and I went to them 
had great respect for them. They had a great marriage. Newly married couple, couple of years. And I said, I love Sharon with all my heart. I'm 20 years old, which means I'm really young. But I want to marry her. And I want you to be honest with me. I want you to tell me whether you think I'm mature enough to handle being married at this young age. Please don't say to me, praise the Lord. We're so happy for you. Then when I walk out the door, they go, oh God, I hope that works. <laughs> I want you to tell me now, up front, I've not talked to Sharon. She doesn't know anything about this. And if you say to me, you think I'm mature enough? Or if you say to me, I think I should wait, I will listen to you. I give you that influence in my life. Because if it's not now, it will be later because I want to marry this girl. And they said, Steve, you are young, but you have a call of God in your life. You have answered the call. You're mature and you're accountable. The very fact that you're even asking this question shows the mark of your maturity. So then I went, okay, that's good. Well, hang on, hang on. So then I went, and I went, now I need to go to my senior pastor because my senior pastor knew me very well. I was an upcoming youth leader in the church. I became the youth pastor right after this. And so I went to him. I said, I love Sharon. I've already talked to another couple, Eric and Lynn Rogavine, and they're another couple that were young married couple in the church. And they've said, yes, they think, but now I'm asking you. Sharon doesn't know this. For any reason, you feel like I'm not mature enough. I don't want to blow this. If any reason you think I'm mature enough, I want to ask you, do you think I'm ready to marry this girl? I want to marry her. I will marry her. Whether it's now or whether it's later, I want your advice. Please do not say, praise the Lord, and go, oh God, I hope he doesn't ask me to marry them. And him worrying about whether this marriage would even work out. He looked at me, he goes, Steve, you're young, but I think you're mature enough. So then I went and asked Sharon, honey, I, I took her to a very fancy restaurant in Parramatta. It's called the Bar Roma. It doesn't exist anymore. I wore a three-piece suit. I brought flowers. I took her to this restaurant, and for dessert, I asked her, would she marry me? And I'll never forget her answer. She looked at me, and she goes, I'd like to. answers I'd like to it's well yeah well Joe that's right because you had to do a flip chart to convince Cheryl to marry you and Cheryl found the wisdom of God by all the traffic lights on the boulevard being green is that a true story Cheryl goes God if you want me to marry Joe uh, I want every traffic light to be green on the boulevard from I think it was Norfolk to Virginia Beach have I got from the scope and every traffic light was green how cool is that story? I gotta tell you, can I just say this? We've got to be willing to listen to godly people. And we've got to learn to listen and actually accept discipline. I want to show you a few more verses. I want to go somewhere with this. Is this helping anybody? Uh, what college should I go to? How much debt? What, should I change careers? How do I raise my kids? Um, some people go, look, I don't want to have to deal with all that exercise stuff. Just give me another pill so I don't have to change my lifestyle. That's really dumb. Okay? Uh, when someone tells you something and you get offended for them, have you heard the other side of the story? Listen. Amen? Can my enemies make me wiser? They can. They can make you better, amen? 
Praise the Lord. One thing's for certain, I as a pastor am not offering advice to anyone who doesn't ask for it. Are you hearing me? Now I'm preaching the word of God and obviously here I'm preaching a lot of wisdom and counsel, but one-on-one, I'm not offering if someone's not asking. Amen? So look what Hebrews says. You know, I love this. Hebrews chapter 12. This is a great couple of verses. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Isn't that the truth? So sin can so easily get a part of your life. Isn't that the truth? One person said, yeah. Okay, let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Watch this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not be weary and lose heart. And now watch this. In your struggle against sin. Now, notice the writer of Hebrew goes, not if you are struggling, but in your struggle against sin. So we are all going to struggle against sin. Amen? You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding of blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as father addresses his son, as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Can I give you the Steve Kelly translation? Those whom the Lord loves, he beats the hell out of. (laughs) And when you are undergoing discipline and correction from God and you feel like you can do nothing right, you need to know you are right in the middle of the will of God. It is evidence that you're a child of God. And what it says here, it says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? I tell you, there's a few nowadays. Because half the homes in the United States often don't even have fathers anymore. Amen? And if you are not disciplined, it goes, and if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legit. That's what's wrong with families in the United States today. There's not a whole lot of disciplining going on. Come on, somebody. You are not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of the Spirit and life? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. What? In order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Who can say amen to that? Later on, it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. Watch this. For those who've been trained by it. That's not a fun Bible verse. 
Because God will train you with hardship. God will train you with discipline. God will teach you how to have resilience, and he uses discipline to do it. Amen? Look what it says. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. You know what God's saying? Man up. Grow up. Amen? We all struggle with sin. But God disciplines us. And we're being trained by God for righteousness and holiness in the discipline. And for everyone, their struggle is different. And I want to name just a couple of sins. Is that okay? Just to see which one you relate to. Because I know we're all going with the obvious sins. But gossip is a sin. Repeating things that do nothing to help encourage anyone. That's something, don't tell anybody this. And it's amazing how spiritual sin can sound. I'm just telling you this so you can pray. (laughs) Do you know the moment someone, now people come to me as a pastor and share things with their life, but when they start sharing about other people's lives, and and I go, "I, I don't tell anybody this, I'm just telling you. What they're telling me, I hear what they're saying. But what I really hear is saying, I'm a blabbermouth, never trust me with anything confidential because I'm bound to repeat it. (laughs) Gossip is a sin. Here's another one, ready? Pride. I remember time this lady came up to me, she says, God told me to tell you, you have too much pride. What do you do when someone says that to you? Because if you say, no, I don't mean you do. And if you say, yes, I do mean you do, it's a no-win situation. I looked at her, I said, ma'am, it is true, I have pride, and I'm not proud of it. (laughs) Pride is a sin. Do you know the love of money is a sin? Which one's yours that you struggle with? Integrity or a lack of it? Telling lies. It's just a little white lie. We kind of bend the truth. I love what Joe says. Joe's got this great line that's stuck with me my whole life. He goes, sometimes people lie to you with the truth. Isn't that true? Sometimes people lie. I'll give you an example. I was with my good friend, Jared Keehan. Jared Keehan, um, we were in Alaska, and we are looking at the front of this glacier, this um, this glacier, is it what you call it? It's like a glacier. And uh, and on this tour group, there was another word for it. I can't remember what it was. But on the front edge, this tall guy said, this, this um, mountain, whatever you call it, glacier, is melting. What is it? Iceberg. Iceberg. Thank you. I knew that was the, I was looking for it. This iceberg is melting at this rate. And within the next 10 years, based on the melting ratio of this iceberg, it'll be gone. And Jerry goes, Steve, look at that. It's global warming. It's, it's oh, isn't it terrible, the environment? And I said, Jerry, let me get back to the ship. And I get Wi-Fi. Let's Google that iceberg. And on the the Google I did and the research was, true, that iceberg was melting at that rate at the front. But at the back of that iceberg, it was growing 10 times faster than it was melting. And sometimes people lie to you with the truth. Okay, sexual sin. Yep, that's obvious. And we all struggle with it, by the way. 
whether you're homosexual, confused, or heterosexual, confused, I really love her, I wanna be with her, but I know I shouldn't be, you struggle with it, and you gotta rein that in to the wisdom of the word of God, amen? Amen. Or what about gluttony? That's a sin. Did you know that's a sin of the Bible? Or what about this one? Idolatry. I've got to tell you, some people, sport is more of, of a worship idol than God. They would decide whether they would be in church or whether they would be at sport. For some people, weather. If it's a sunny day, let's miss church. Oh, it's gotten very quiet in here. Okay, what about this one? You ready for this one? Fear is a sin. Or what about this one? A lack of faith. Anything that's not faith, the Bible says, is sin. Which one are you struggling with? Or or what about this one? Just a worldly lifestyle. Or or what about this one? Carnal-mindedness. Thinking worldly. Carnal-mindedness isn't just having lustful thoughts. Carnal mindedness is bringing all of your thinking, all of God's word down to the level of your humanity. And you just make worldly decisions based on worldly wisdom rather than bring all of your thinking process, watch this, up to the level of God's word. Make sense? And one time this guy came to me, he says, look, I've been offered a job down in, you know, Florida. Florida's a good place. God made Florida for a place to go when it's winter. Amen. That's why Florida's there. That's the whole purpose for Florida. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But some people say, if I just move from where I am and get away from where I am, then life will be different. The only problem is wherever you go, there you are. And you take you with you. It'll only be a matter of time before you're repeating the same problems with different names, different people, different geography. Because if you keep turning up at the scene of an accident, the only common denominator is you. Come on, somebody. I'm going to move to Florida. I said, hey, man, no problem. I said, uh, and he got a good job, good money. And he goes, I'm going because I got a great income. I said, is there a good church anywhere in the area that you can go to? He says, I don't care. I just want the money. I said, you might want to care about that. Because you can bring your wife and kids to a place where if there's no good church, you should at least research it. I remember Joe and Cheryl, when they're going to send their son to New York University, they said, if you stay in, stay in church, we'll pay your college. You don't go to church, we stop paying your college. It was a value they instilled in him. Knowing they're going, he's going to New York and not just New York, but New York University and knowing the the context, the environment which God had called him to serve him in, they wanted to make sure that that was a foundation in his life. Wise parents. And I saw this guy many years later. I was just happy to see him. Hey, how you doing? Tears. Steve. This is carnal minders. I'm trying to help you understand what it is. Steve, my wife left me. The kids are backslidden. You were right. I said to you I didn't care if there was a good church down there. And I actually couldn't find one. And my wife stopped going to church. My kids stopped going to church. They're on drugs. And my wife hates me. 
and I've lost everything. That's carnal mindedness. To be carnally minded is death. To bring your thinking down to the level of humanity is the best definition I've ever heard on what it is to be carnally minded. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Giving into your flesh. And by the way, in your struggle with sin, I'm telling you, we all struggle with it. Amen. Here's another one. Negativity. Just being negative. The Bible says, whatever is a good report, think on these things. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Some, sometimes, I got to tell you, some people are so negative, if you put them in a dark room, they develop. <laughs> Sharon and I have really made sure that in our marriage, we will pull each other up if we feel like we're getting negative. Negative about life, negative about people. And when you pastor a church, I want to tell you, you get, you get some good little war stories. Amen? And you got to make sure you keep your spirit buoyant. What about this one? Boasting. Do you know the Bible? Listen to this one. I hate this one. This one really has trained me. Who's ever been trained by any of these things? This one has trained me. Anger. Because the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. It's possible to be angry and not sin. It's equally possible to be angry and to sin. All right, just turn to the person next to you and say, we're going to another church next week. We don't, we're, we're, not, we don't like the pastor anymore. Okay, here's one. Here's one. This one is very subtle. Some of you are going to roll your eyes when I say it. Some of you are going to go, here he goes again. When's he going to get off Harry Potter? Oh, it's just a nice little kid's movie. It's about witchcraft. It's about sorcery. Just read the Bible as to what God thinks about witchcraft and sorcery. And tell me, do you want to be exposing your children to something that looks as harmless and as innocent as little Harry Potter with his little rod and he's going against the sorcerers and it's all mystical and it's all wonderful. It is witchcraft and it is sin. So here's the thought I want to give you. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't underestimate God's corrections. The Lord disciplines those who he loves. I want you to hear me now. You may see other people doing things that God won't let you do. And don't let that be permission for you to do what they did when God's telling you, for you it's sin. Somebody gets saved and they're trying to deal with the alcoholic lifestyle. And they may have other issues going on in their life, but they're just trying to get free of the addiction. And I want to tell you, let God be God and let the Holy Spirit do his work in their life. Maybe later on in life, God might want to deal with some other stuff in their life. But right now, the thing that's really destroying their life is this. And we can't play God. And you can't look and say, well, if they do it, it's okay for me to do it. If God is disciplining you and saying, for you, it's sin, don't do it. And you see someone else doing it. And for them, it doesn't look like, it looks like they're doing it. It's okay. You only answer what God's disciplining you in. Amen. 
That's how legalism gets in the church. And I gotta tell you something, I hate legalism. I probably hate that as much as I hate the devil. And that's saying something, because I hate the devil. But legalism is one of the most destructive, terrible, demonic things that has ever darkened the church. Christians who forgot they were forgiven and judge others in a moment. And he who is without sin cast the first stone. And Paul, before you see the speck in someone else's eye, remove the plank out of your own eye. Allow the Lord to discipline you and you answer what God's speaking to you about and let God be God in their life. Amen. Amen. What does all this do? What does all this do? Later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness. And in the end, you will be considered among the wise. Come on, somebody. My last thought, my time is up. I'm not even gonna touch it, but I'm gonna talk about it perhaps next Sunday. I wanna talk to you about boundaries and bridges. So you wanna take new ground. Who, who's ever had God tell you, don't, don't go over that line? Who's ever, you, like, you're gonna do something, God says, don't do it. Okay, now be honest, be honest. I got my hand up. Who's gone over the line? Now, when, when you're standing in front of the line, God says, you know, maybe it's saying something that's not true, thinking something you shouldn't think, okay? And God says, no, no, don't do it. And, but isn't it funny that God says, don't go over the line. There is another voice that says, go ahead, there's nothing wrong with it. But the moment you step over it, that voice that tells you there's nothing wrong with it now is condemning you. Yes. See, look at you. You call yourself, a, you're not a Christian. This is, isn't it amazing? That voice that encouraged you to go now is condemning you. But God always provides a way of escape. So here's what I've discovered. If I keep stepping over the line, I've discovered the line disappears. That's a scary place. Because if that line's gone, that's when you develop what the Bible says, listen to this, a seared conscience. Yes. Yes. You no longer have conviction. You no longer respond to the, the discipline and the correction of God. And you can go into that without even giving it a second thought. And the line disappears. My friend, it's a lot harder to come back from that. I'd rather err on the side of obedience. Amen. Amen. And I, I, I just feel like we want to take some new ground. And I just feel like today, the new ground is accepting the Lord's discipline. Accepting the Lord's correction. And how do we do it? We ask God for wisdom.